right. Well, welcome to Chi Alpha, everybody. Um, if you are new here tonight and we haven't met yet, my name is Meredith. And hi, guys. Um, it's just so good to see you all. I'm so glad everyone could make it today. Did you guys have a good weekend this weekend? Yeah? Well, I had a great weekend this weekend. I got to go to Discover the Nations. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Discover Na the Nations is an international student conference over in Bellingham, Washington. Um, did you guys know that we serve a God who loves every single people group and every single ethnicity? Yeah. We serve a God who loves every, every person on this earth and wants everyone to have the opportunity to know him. Um, and this weekend, that's what we got to learn about. We spent the whole weekend learning about how much the Lord loves and cares about the nations. And specifically, we learned about how we get to welcome international students on our campus and help them get to know Jesus. So I don't know if you guys know this, but every year we have a ton of students from all over the world come here to Central to study. And a bunch of those students come from countries that are considered unreached nations. That means that they have less than 2% of their population that come from a Christian background or have a Christian faith. That means like they can't just walk down the street and go to a church. They can't open a Bible that's in their language. They might not even know another person that is a Christian. At DTN, uh, one of the students shared about how, as a high schooler, he was the only Christian in his entire school. He went to a school of 600 students, and he was the only Christian. I can like hardly even imagine that. So my main takeaway from this weekend is that we have this incredible opportunity to share Jesus with international students on our campus who do not have the ability to meet him in their home country. But they're at Central right now, and they come here wanting to learn about our culture. They want to learn about who we are, what our lives are like, and what we believe. And a big part of who we are is that we love Jesus, right? So when they come here, we get to share him with them. How cool is that? Um, so I'd encourage you all that if you didn't get to go to Discover the Nations this weekend, talk to someone who did. Um, can I actually have everyone who went stand up really quick? Yeah. Um, so look around at these guys right now and make a mental note. I'm going to get coffee with them this week. Or I'm going to talk to them at core. I'm going to pick their brains and see if we could just like get a quick one-on-one. -on -one. Um, you guys can sit down. Because we have like entire, entire like binderfuls of information um, about how to reach international students on our campus. And so we really want to like share what we learned. It's really exciting. It's a really great opportunity. So I'd encourage you guys to talk to these guys and, and hear what they have to say. Sound good? Can we do that? Yeah? Awesome. Okay. Um, would you guys go ahead and pray with me and then we'll get into our message for tonight. Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us all here tonight. Lord, thank you so much for getting us to the second to last week of the quarter. That's crazy. Um, but we're glad that we're here. We're glad, I think, also that winter quarter is almost over and that warmer weather is coming. Um, so thank you for that, Jesus. We're just excited for what you're doing. Lord, I pray that you would be with each of us. I pray that right now we would be able to, like, be here and be present. Help us to leave behind what we came from um, and to focus here and not worry about what we're going to as well. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray you'd speak through me and that your Holy Spirit would be here and be present. Amen. 
All right. Well, we're going to continue our message series on 1 Peter. And if you guys can believe it, it is the second to last week of the quarter, which is crazy. I'm like, I don't know what happened to Christmas. Um, but here we are. So we only have one chapter left in 1 Peter after this week. And from this book, we've learned a ton of different things, right? We've learned how to live lives that are holy and set apart for God. We've learned how to look different from the culture around us and how to reflect Jesus to the people that we know. We've learned that our God understands what we are going through and that he can empathize with us. And more than almost anything else, we've learned how to follow Jesus even when life is really hard, right? As we've mentioned before, Peter's audience was facing extreme persecution for their belief in Jesus. And their lives were most likely in danger every single day. That was just their reality. And so because of the situation that that his audience was in, um, the overwhelming theme of this book is how to follow Jesus even in the midst of suffering. How to follow Jesus even when life does not go at all how you expected it to go. And so tonight, our topic is not any different. We're right on theme. Um, Once again, we're going to talk about how to follow Jesus when life is hard. And specifically, we're going to look at the question, how do I respond when I encounter suffering and trials in my life? How do I respond when I encounter suffering and trials in my life? So if you guys would grab your Bibles, we are going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. Um, and while you guys are turning there, if I could have my Bible pastors come forward, that would be awesome. If you need a Bible tonight, we would love to give one to you. You can just raise your hand, and these guys will get one for you. Um, you can borrow it for the night, or if you don't have one, that is our gift to you. So feel free to keep it. Okay. Let's read 1 Peter 4, verses 12 to 16. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So from this passage, how do we respond to suffering and trials that we encounter? Well, the first thing that stands out to me right away is in verse 12. Peter says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you. Don't think that something strange were happening to you. So how should we respond? Well, number one, we shouldn't be surprised. Or another way to say that is we should expect trials and suffering to be a part of our life. These are normal things for the Christ follower. And I don't know about you guys, but if I'm being totally honest with you, when something goes wrong in my life, my initial reaction is, honestly often surprise. Do you guys ever feel like that? Like, what? How could this be happening to me? 
you know? For example, it's a silly example, so bear with me. <laughs> but for example, Brandon and I recently moved into an apartment, and it's working out really, really well now. Um, it's a great apartment. We love it. But when we first moved in, there was, like, some issues. So, like, we walked in, and there was, like, black mold growing up the wall in the bathroom. Yeah, it was really nasty. And then, like, we ran a load in the dishwasher, and it just, like, dumped water all over the floor. And there's still, like, water under the floorboards, and so when I step down, my socks, like, get wet. It's interesting. Um, then we did our laundry, and, you know, our great coin-operated laundry system that costs, like, $5 to do laundry. And our clothes were still wet. So, obviously, you can't call any of these things suffering. So please don't hear me say that I'm, like, suffering because of these things, because that's not what I'm saying. But um, even though these were, like, minor inconveniences in my life, my response to even these small things was to be kind of, like, frustrated with the Lord. Of, like, God, like, why couldn't you just get us, like, a good apartment? Like, why did we have the only apartment in the whole complex that had, like, black mold in it? Don't you just want to, like, bless us? Like, why, why did even this have to be, like, annoying? So my response was not expectation that there's going to be trials and hardship in life. It was surprised that God would, like, let this happen. And I think as Americans, our culture leads us to believe that life is supposed to be easy and go the way we expect it to go. Right? Like, we post stuff on social media all the time. We're always scrolling through, like, Facebook or Insta Instagram or Twitter or, like, whatever it is. And most of the stuff that people post on there isn't the hard stuff. It's, like, the accomplishments. It's the achievements. It's the things that go well. And I think that leads us to have this false belief that life is just supposed to go well. But the problem is that nowhere in the Bible does God actually say that. Nowhere in the Bible does God say that life is going to be easy and free from pain. In fact, he says quite the opposite. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Matthew 10, 16, 18, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. Excuse me. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. And if that isn't enough, all you have to do is look at the lives of the disciples. Have you guys ever done that? Have you ever thought about the lives of the disciples? Most of them were mocked for their faith. They were thrown in jail. They were regu regularly endangered. And most of them ended up being put to death for their belief in Jesus. So God is very clear that when we choose to follow him, we will encounter hardship. And he is very clear that the hardship we're going to encounter is way greater than just like my leaky dishwasher. He says that we need to be prepared to sacrifice comfort, convenience, friendship, family, and even our own safety. Have you guys fully embraced that yet? Are you aware that following Jesus means that we need to expect that suffering will come in our lives? So why, then, does Peter want his audience to be prepared for this reality? Like, why is that important? Well, I think it's important because it's so much easier to go through something challenging if you know that it is coming instead of being caught off guard, right? 
For example, no one is going to be able to run a marathon if they wake up the day before and think, huh, I think I want to run a marathon today. Like, that's impossible. You're going to, like, do serious bodily harm if you, like, do that. Instead, you plan for the marathon. You see it months, if not, like, years in advance, and you think, this is something I know that I am going to, like, need to accomplish. This is something I know I'm going to need to persevere through. And so you train for it day after day after day after day because you know it is coming. So then when you get there, you can actually persevere and overcome. Does that make sense? The same thing is true when it comes to trials in our lives. We are so much more likely to be able to persevere through them if we are not caught off guard, but instead we're expecting them to come. So where are you at with this tonight? Do you expect life to be easy because you follow Jesus? Do you expect him to just kind of pave the way? Or do you know that challenges will come? Are you prepared or will you be caught off guard if something comes up? So the second thing I noticed from this passage about how we can respond to suffering and trials is that we need to understand that they serve a purpose in our life. Okay, they serve a purpose in our life. Have you ever wondered why God allows hard things to happen? Like, why do trials, why does suffering even exist? Because he's God, right? He doesn't have to let these things happen. He could make your life perfect. He could make my life perfect. He could make every single day go well. He could prevent us from being hurt by people. He could prevent us from having disappointments. He could heal us from every sickness, and he could help us succeed in every single thing that we do. So why doesn't he? Right? That's a hard question to wrestle with. Let's look at verse 12 one more time. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Do you catch that? Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. To test you. One reason... And I don't necessarily think it's the only reason, but I think one reason that God allows us to go through hard things is for the testing of our faith. So what do I mean by that? Well, several times in 1 Peter, we get this image of the fiery ordeal. Um, It's in this chapter. It's also in chapter 1, verse 7, and it comes up other places throughout the New Testament as well. Like um, if you read James chapter 1, it's in there also. And this image of this fiery ordeal is referring to the process of purifying fine metals, like gold and silver. So what it's talking about is back in the day, or probably now too, you would take a piece of like raw metal. So like say you have like a piece of gold or a piece of silver. And in that, um, gold and silver, like part of it is gold, part of it is silver, but then part of it has like these other like imposter metals in it and these like inferior inferior qualities and so what a goldsmith would do is they would take that like chunk of raw gold and they would expose it to extreme temperatures they would put it in the fire and the gold that was like legit pure useful real gold would be able to withstand the temperature and it would become better it would become moldable it would become useful for the purpose that it was intended for but the things that were not pure the the impurities and like the inferior metals would be burned off They couldn't take the heat. And so what you were left with was this, like, pure, workable metal that is, like, worth something without any of the impurities. 
And trials in our life are equivalent to the fire. They expose the impurities in our faith. They show us the areas where we are trusting ourselves instead of God. Have you guys ever noticed that it's always when life is hard, not when life is easy, but when life is hard, that we have to stop and ask ourselves, what am I really living for? What am I like really putting my faith in? It's when we lose our job that we have to stop and ask, who am I trusting to provide for me? Was it this career, or is it the God of the universe who controls every single resource? It's when we don't pass a class that we have to stop and ask, what gives me value? Is it my grades, or is it Jesus who created me and who loves me? It's when we have to move to a new place, far away from our family and our friends, where everything is uncomfortable, but we must ask ourselves, who gives me security? Is it Jesus or is it something else? You see, it's in the fire where we are able to grow. It's in the fire where we can see where we are actually putting our faith. Um, Story for you guys. Brandon and I got married back in 2018, which was a while ago now, I guess. Um, And like most young dating couples, we had very high expectations of what marriage was going to be like, okay? Um, I tried to be realistic, but my expectations were like up there. I was like really, really excited. (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) I was really excited to get to spend all of our time together. Because I'm like a quality time love languages person. I don't know anyone else out there. But I was like, we're going to be married. We get to spend all of our time together. We like work together. And then we're going to come home. And we're going to spend evenings together. And we're going to talk all the time. It's going to be great. Because that's what marriage is like, right? Brandon was really excited because he thought he was going to have someone there who could listen to him talk about his hobbies for, like, a long time. (laughs) Because, you know, everyone wants to talk about football and fantasy football and all the players on the fantasy football team and golf and Magic the Gathering for, like, hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, well, in many ways, marriage was those things that we expected. It was great, and it is great. It also came with a lot of challenges that we were not expecting. Um, it was not even close to the easygoing marriage that we'd had in mind. And in fact, those first few months of marriage turned out to be some of the most challenging months that I've like ever gone through. Both of us brought in a lot of stuff to marriage that like we didn't really realize before. There was like fears and hurts and like past things that we didn't even know were going to come up. Um, but they became very quickly apparent uh, right as we got married. And both of us hurt each other in a lot of different ways. And a lot of, uh, a lot of expectations went unmet. To the extent that we ended up going to marriage counseling after just like one month of marriage. Because we were like, all right, we have some things to work on. And even though that was one of the hardest seasons that I've gone through... Looking back, I am so grateful for it. Because it was through that trial that both of us grew more than we had ever grown before in our life. God rooted out these things in us that we had no idea even existed. He showed us idols in our life that we didn't know were there. He exposed fears. He exposed lack of trust. And all this stuff just like came up because we were going through this trial. 
He grew our character so much. And one thing he specifically taught me was that I was putting a lot more hope in marriage than was healthy, um, healthy or helpful. I had expected marriage to provide me with things like self-worth. I don't know if I would have told you that on paper, but it was like in there. I expected marriage to take away things like loneliness, like I'd have someone to be with. When in reality, like only God is the one who can prov- provide those things, right? Like a spouse can come alongside and a spouse can be used to bless in those ways, but God is the one who like really provides those things. And so it was in the fire for me. It was in this trial that the Lord exposed so much in my life, and in the moment it was painful, but now I am so grateful for that season. And I think that that is what he wants to do for all of us. When we go through trials, our faith is tested, and when our faith is tested, it produces perseverance that leads to maturity. So God allows the hard stuff to happen in life because he cares about rooting out all these like little impurities and distractions that keep us from completely running after Jesus. So that leads us to the question, why does it matter that our faith is in Jesus and not in other stuff? Why does that matter? Why does God care so much about our faith being in him that he would allow us to experience suffering? Look with me at verses 17 and 18. They say, For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So this verse right here is why it matters. God cares so much about about us having a solid faith in him because he knows that it is by grace that we have been saved, through faith, and that is what guarantees that we will be with him for eternity. So in these verses, Peter is asking this rhetorical question. He asks, if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And we know from scripture that only those who choose to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died for their sins, and who chose to l- choose to live their life in submission to him, will be with God for eternity. And those who do not make this choice will be separated from him forever. So guys, there are real and devastating consequences to not having faith in Jesus. He does not want us to be deceived into thinking that we are sold out to him, when in reality we are just running after temporary pleasures in this world. Does that make sense? So why does God let suffering happening? Sorry, that was a bad sentence. So why does God let suffering happen? Why does he care so much about purifying our faith? Well, he does this because he cares more about our eternal future than our current temporary happiness. So next time you encounter something challenging in your life, would you stop and ask, what is this teaching me about my faith? What is this teaching me about my faith? How can I grow from this situation? What might God want to uproot in my life? What might God want to weed out of my life? How is he purifying me? Okay, the third and final way that we can respond to suffering and trials in our life um, that I want to talk about tonight is that we commit even harder to Jesus. 
Okay, we commit even harder to Jesus. Um, Take a look at verse 19 with me. It says, So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So Peter says that when we suffer, our response should be to commit to God and continue to do good. Commit to God and continue to do good. But isn't it sometimes easier to have the opposite reaction? Like when we're going through hard stuff, isn't it easier to kind of like pull back from God when things don't go the way we want them to go? Um, sometimes for me, I feel like I'm like a little kid or something who's getting disciplined by their parent of like, what, you like took that from me? Well, I don't want to like hang out with you anymore, <laughs> right? It's silly, but like sometimes that's how we act. But in this verse, Peter says to do just the opposite of that. He says to trust that God has a good purpose behind the suffering and to let him refine your faith. Instead of pulling back, he says, no, do the opposite. Commit even more than you are right now. So what does that look like? How do we actually, like, do that? Well, number one, we're going to keep spending time with him. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep, like, hanging out with Jesus when you're going through hard things. I think sometimes we have this idea that we need to wait until we're, like, perfectly put together to talk to God. You guys ever, like, felt like that before? Yeah. But that's, like, so not true. We can go to him just how we are. We don't have to sort everything out. Jesus was fully human, and he experienced, like, a broad spectrum of human emotion. Jesus, like, weeps in the Bible. Jesus knows what it is like to go through hard things, and they hurt him as much, if not more, than they hurt us. And so he knows what you're feeling. He's a safe person to process with. So keep reading your Bible. Keep spending time with the Lord and keep praying. Secondly, we're going to stay in community, okay? Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other or encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So what does that mean? Well, that means keep going to things. Keep staying in community. Come to Chi Alpha. Come to CORE. Go to church. Do your one-on-one. Like, keep doing these things. And guys, as we do that, can we just agree that we're going to be real in that? Can we agree that we're not going to come to Tuesday night with, like, a mask on of, like, oh, yeah, we're just fine all the time? Because that's, like, not realistic, right? None of us are fine all the time. We all have hard stuff. Can we go to CORE and be real with each other and say, hey, actually, I, like, really need prayer right now? Let's, like, be that as a community so that we can encourage each other, okay? Um, I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come up as we talk about our last point. Um, The last thing it says in verse 19 is to continue to do good. Okay? Continue to do good. One of the most powerful things that we can do when we're going through trials, when we're going through suffering, is to continue obeying the Lord and to continue to do good. What does that mean? Well, it means that when other people don't serve you, we get to keep serving them. It means that when someone is rude to you, You don't just get to turn around and be rude to someone else. You get to be kind to them. You get to love them. It means that even when you get treated unfairly, we get to continue to treat other people with respect. It means that even when temptation is everywhere, we don't give in to sin just because we're having a hard time. No, instead we ask God to help us resist it even more. 
It means that even when you are looked down on for what you believe, you keep running after Jesus. And even when life doesn't go your way, we keep praising God. Isn't that an amazing way to bring glory to the Lord? Isn't that an amazing way for people to see that we are different? You guys pray with me tonight as we close. Jesus, um, yeah, God, we just love you so much. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much, God, that you know what it is like to go through really hard things, Lord, that you've experienced suffering to a degree that probably none of us ever will. So, Lord, thank you that you are a safe person to go to. God, thank you that you want us to process with you. Thank you that you've provided us with a community to press into and that you've called us to be people who are real with each other. Jesus, we just love you so much. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us to apply what we learned tonight. Um, and we're just excited to worship you, Jesus. Amen.